Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Book of Luke, if you don't have a Bible with you, maybe somebody is close by. If you want to just uh, look on with them, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version out of the book of Luke, chapter 24. We're going to read in just a moment once we find that passage. But I want to ask you today, have you ever, have you ever lost something that you really did not want to lose? And, you know, maybe it was something of value, something of great value. And you, I, I still have visions to this day. To this day, I still squirm a little bit at the foolishness of my youth and where it was that I proposed to my wife. And I, I'll just uh, I'll clue you in. And, and to this day, I still think, what if I had dropped it? I proposed to my wife down by Lake Michigan. Uh, we went out on this dock. There was this, this, this dock that was there, but there was... Uh, it was in the summertime, and I was wearing a, a pair of shorts, but it wasn't like the jeans shorts where it has the normal jeans pockets, sort of more shorts that have the side pockets, you know, like this, and they're really loose. You know, if you wear shorts like that in the summertime, they're really loose, right? Put something in, you know, change comes falling right out. And I remember as we walked down, I sat down, we sat down, we stood somewhere, and there was a grate that I stood on like a dummy. I stood on a grate over the lake, underneath, and I had, as they say, two months' salary. Well, it was more than that because I worked at a Bible college that only paid me about $100 a week. So it was a little more than two months' salary. And I pulled this thing out of my pocket, and, and I'm not thinking about where I am. I'm just thinking about getting it into her hand and getting it onto her finger. To this day, when I think about where I was standing, I can still see the water sloshing underneath this grate. And I, thought, I keep thinking to myself, what if I had dropped it? What if I had lost it? That was something of great value. Many of you, you might have lost something of great value and you will tear your house absolutely apart. I mean, you'll wreck the place. The drawers, there'll be clothes all over the place and you'll be pulling stuff out of the drawers and you're looking under couches and you're ripping the bed sheets off and you're just tearing everything apart to find this one thing only to go through the entire day of searching and not be able to find it. Maybe you get on the train on Monday morning you get into your job, maybe you have a desk that you sit at, and you open the middle drawer of your desk, and lo and behold, there it is. The very thing that you ripped your house apart to find was sitting in your desk at work. House, work, not the same places. You looked in the wrong place to find what it was that you needed to find. I want you to go with me now to Luke 24. Let's start reading at verse 1. And I'm going to read down through to verse 12. 
And I want to preach a message entitled today, Looking for the Living Among the Dead. On the first day of the week, early, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Can I tell you that that is the message that Jesus declared to his disciples almost from the very beginning of calling them. Over and over again, he declared this message, and yet they were still surprised and astonished when both he died on the cross and was placed in the tomb. The Bible says of these women in verse 8, Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, jo Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. <clears throat> Get this. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Jesus spoke much in his ministry about what it was that he had come to do. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. Oftentimes, I know that we look at this whole weekend, and we look at Good Friday, and we think about Good Friday as the day that we celebrate, or at least that we commemorate or think about the fact that Jesus died on the cross. And yet, can I suggest to you today that without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cross is absolutely pointless. The cross has no meaning. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and Paul wrote in the book of Romans, he tells us that Jesus died for our sins but was raised for our justification. In other words, you cannot stand in the presence of God clean and whole and pure without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The cross is only part of the story. The resurrection wraps it all up. And it starts for us a new era, a new covenant, a new day, a day in which you and I can find life because His life is real, because He lives today, because He is alive and well and comes to bring life to mankind. This story captured my attention once again anew as I began to read it. And I love how all four Gospels, all four Gospels end 
with this concept or this, this belief, this teaching that Jesus is alive. Every single one of them. They don't end with the cross. They don't end with Jesus dying on the cross and stating that this is what Jesus did. But instead, they end with a resurrection. They end with Jesus coming back to life. And Paul lets us know in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he lets us know how vital and how important that resurrection really is. Without it, we have nothing. Without it, Christianity is reduced to a series of teachings by a man who most of the world, over half of the world, will at, on this particular day simply call good. I call him more than good. I call him the Savior. We, we understand that Jesus coming out of the grave brings his teaching to life. It brings us to life. But there is something that the angels said to these women as they were there. And to them, they thought they were looking in the right place. You know, most of us have done that. I mean, I... I think I told you, the congregation, a couple of weeks ago, how it was on one particular day. I was looking for my keys, looking for my keys, and couldn't find my keys, only to then open up my hand, and there were my keys. I'm looking on the counter. I'm looking everywhere but in the place where I left them. And you would think that keys should, you know, make your hand feel a little funny. For some reason, those, those keys just became a part of me at that moment, and I thought, just an extension of my hand. No big deal. All of a sudden, I open my hand, and I think, oh, what a dummy. How can I do that? We look in the wrong places. You would think, these ladies understood, they were looking in the right place to find a dead Jesus. They were looking in the right place. They came to his tomb. And they had come there with spices to anoint his dead body. It was part of the embalming process. They would come back a few days later. The body was beginning to, to deteriorate and, and decompose already because there was no modern-day embalming uh, fluid that would be used. There was nothing like that that would preserve a body. They were coming back to anoint his body so, you know, the tomb area didn't quite smell so bad. And all of a sudden, they approach the tomb, and, and the stone has been rolled away. And they go in, and they look, and they see there's no body here. Jesus is not in this tomb. They understood. Yes, people don't rise from the dead. Once they go in the tomb, and especially in this particular tomb, the stone had been rolled in front of it, and the, the seal of Caesar had been placed upon this tomb to lock it up and yet an angel comes and just sort of tosses the stone away and rolls it away and Jesus comes out of the tomb. They think they're going to look in the right place and yet now they're looking in the wrong place to find a living Savior. And I begin to think about all the ways in which we tend to look in the wrong places to find life. We think that life is found in this area or that area. Maybe it is that we find, think that life is found in some area of sin, some area of just pleasing yourself. Just, you know, going with what the rest of the world is going with and saying, you know, if it feels good, I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
And I'm going to go and I'm going to try to find. Surely that's where life really is. That's really where living comes about. And yet when you get in the middle of it, there is some word on the inside of your heart that echoes in your mind and says, this really isn't where life is. There's something missing. You see, there was something missing on this particular day. It was a dead Jesus. But you know what? He was alive. He wasn't in the tomb. That's where you find dead things in the tomb. But instead, he was alive. I'm here to let you know the world is nowhere to find life. Sin is no place to find the life that you long for on the inside of you on a daily basis. I can almost guarantee you if you are going after sin, if you are going after a life that just says, I'm going to please me, I'm going to get out of my life all that I want to get out and nobody's going to tell me any different, I can almost guarantee you on a regular basis there is something that comes to your heart and your mind that says, this is not where life is found. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? There are so many people who go after things that they think are going to satisfy. They think are going to take care of the situation. And the word of the angels is ever so true in their heart and in their life. It is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? There are things that you can go after and things that you try to pursue that try to please you and try to bring some sort of satisfaction but it's always like the Rolling Stones song it's always like I can't get no satisfaction I can't find it anywhere and it goes on and says I try and I try and I try and it's not found in sin it's not found in following after your own thing listen the only place that life can be found is in a resurrected living savior Jesus came out of the tomb and as a result of that he defeated the powers of sin and death no longer do you have to run after those things you don't have to go after that. Look, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You have to wonder what was going through their minds in that moment. You know, as they, the Bible says that they bowed low to the ground when they recognized there was someone there and someone, the Bible says, whose, whose clothes shone like lightning. They understood that they were in the presence at least of an angel or of angels, and they bowed to the ground. And when that, that question came from the angel's lips, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I don't know if while they were bowed down to the ground, they kind of looked at each other like, well, this is where we were supposed to be. This is where we saw him go in to the tomb. This is where it all used to be. And you know what? There you, it might be that you have bought the lie from the enemy that says life is only found out in the world, pleasing self, having fun, doing whatever feels good in this day and age. Do whatever pleases you. That is the moniker of the day. That is the mantra of the day. That is what people say all the time. Whatever pleases you, go ahead and do it. But you know what? In the end, it is not found there. You're looking in the wrong place. It is only found in Jesus Christ, a resurrected Christ. It could be that you look for the living among the dead of human solutions. Not only harmful sin, but also of human solutions. Well, you know, I'm just going to fix this the way that I know how. I'm going to maybe enter into this relationship. This is going to please me. This is going to make me happy. Maybe it is that you find 
some job that just completely steals you away from any time with God and any time in the presence of the Lord, in the house of God, and you say, well, this is what's going to please me. This is what's going to help me to take care of some of my troubles. And yet, the Bible tells us over and over again that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul. We're to trust in Him. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. God is always looking out for you, but we look in the area of human solutions, and usually when we do that, we end up among the dead of hopeless situations. We, we've got to try to fix our problem and we'll fix it however it is that we think we're going to fix it because you know what? God is taking too long. Maybe it is you think God is just wasting your time. He's just taking way too long to somehow come down and fix a problem that you think has to be fixed yesterday. And so you go after your own way of trying to fix it. And you're looking among the dead of human solutions. Can I tell you, the best solution you could ever find is the resurrected Jesus. He will take care of you. He will help you. He will minister to you. He will fix whatever it is in your life that needs fixing. But you've got to come to Him. Many people don't even bother to do that. Well, I tried it. And you know what? It didn't work. Well, go back. Go back. Maybe it is that God is just seeing whether or not you're going to really trust in Him. Because those who go for a one-time fix and walk away and say nothing happened are not individuals who are really interested in having God, quite frankly. They're interested in only having their own solutions. You keep going back to the presence of God and say, Lord, I'm not going to look for the living among the dead of my human solutions, but I'm going to look for it in the resurrected Christ. I'm going to bathe myself in prayer and I'm going to come to you and say, Lord, you come down and you help me. And if the help that you need in that moment is simply to encourage you and strengthen you to keep trusting in Him and keep looking to Him in all things, then that is exactly what you need in that moment. Now, usually when we're looking in those two areas, we end up among the dead of our hopeless situations. You find you can't fix it. You will find that it's, you are unable to fix whatever it is that you've put your hand to, to try to fix it. And you end up among the dead of your hopeless situation. You don't know how to get out of it. You don't know how to make it out of that situation to you that seems absolutely hopeless. I had somebody stand here yesterday, or not yesterday, last Sunday. Somebody stand there and, and literally look at me and tell me I'm not so sure that I can keep going on in life. And brothers and sisters, i got to tell you that when you come to that place, you need not somebody to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. You need to get on your face before God and say, Lord, I need the resurrected Christ. We sang it this morning, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. It's not because the pastor preaches something that maybe struck a nerve in our heart or maybe ministered something in our lives. That's not it. It's the resurrected Christ. And you know what, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, we can look at our human solutions. And each and every time, why is it that we come about feeling as though it's still hopeless? It's because we're not trusting in the one who is alive. We're not trusting in the one who can call life out of the tomb. Brothers and sisters, we've got to trust in a resurrected Jesus. 
your only hope today. My only hope today is the fact that Jesus is alive today. The Bible says, and Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. You say, I'm not sure I believe in this resurrection business. It all sounds a little too fanatical, a little too crazy. You know, I know you Christians get all wrapped up with it and everything, but, you know, it seems a little crazy. Do you know that Paul, the apostle, spoke and said that Jesus appeared after his resurrection to over 500 people at one time? Over 500 people. If you were to give those 500 people simply five minutes to take the witness stand in a court, you would be there for over almost 50 hours, 50 hours of testimony of saying, I saw him alive after he went into a tomb. I saw him alive after I saw him die on the cross. You would have so much, so many people testifying to the fact that he is alive. And brothers and sisters, you might sit here today and say, I'm not really sure I can buy into that. But listen, I'm not asking you to buy into anything. I'm asking you to trust in the fact that Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. The word of God shows us that it is real. It is absolutely real and we can trust in the historical accounts of the gospels and others who say, I saw him alive. He is alive and well. But why is he alive and well? He is alive and well to give you life. He is alive and well today not only to give you everlasting life. You know, we talk about everlasting life as though it's something that is to come. And yet, I believe that Scripture teaches and shows us that we can have life now. That we can enjoy it in Him. It's not found in any other. It's not found in any other thing in life that you can pursue and go after. There's, there's absolutely nothing that can satisfy the way the resurrected Christ can. You might, you might be sitting here today and you might be saying, you know what, I've tried it. And you know what, Pastor, you're right. I'm just not so sure I can come to that place yet. I'm not so sure that I can come to that place of saying I'm going to give my all to Jesus. Say, Pastor, are you trying to preach so that you'll join this church? No, absolutely not. I'm not trying to preach so that you will join Praise Tabernacle. I want to see you make it to heaven. I want to see you come to the resurrected Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior of your heart and your life. And know today that there is somebody that you can trust in even when every, everybody else forsakes you and everybody else turns their backs on you and they seem to not understand you. There is still a resurrected Christ that you can run to in your hour of affliction, in your hour of pain, and you can come to him. And the Bible lets us know that he's like that brother, that he is like that one that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe it is you can't share your feelings with people around you, but I want you to know that you can come to a savior who is alive and well and you can pour your heart out to God and you can say I love you Lord and I'm going to trust in you I'm going to depend on you I need your help I need your strength I need your power when you call upon him he will be as close as the mention of his name you can trust in Jesus there isn't anybody like Jesus do you know that there is nobody else no other religious leader in human history, who claimed what Jesus claimed and then made good on his claims. All throughout his ministry, he said to his disciples, I am going to die, suffer many things, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised again. And yet I find it so interesting 
that humanity, even though he said it, they didn't hear it. They didn't hear. They wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And that is not what they wanted to hear. And when Jesus was going through that whole Passion Week and leading up to it, dying on the cross, experiencing such intense pain and suffering as he died on the cross and as he was put into the tomb, every one of these disciples was so disillusioned. They were hiding out somewhere in a room worried about what was going to happen to them next rather than listening to what Jesus had already proclaimed. This is exactly what he told them was going to happen. And especially the last part of the news you would think they're going to grab on to that. I'm going to be raised on the third day. When these women came to the, the tomb and saw that it was wide open and there was nobody in it, you would think that that would have jarred their memory, but it didn't. Sometimes it takes a message from somewhere else or somebody else to begin to get us to think about what the Bible says rather than what our hearts say. These people were grief-stricken. They were, they were wounded in their emotions. They were wounded by their grief, and they couldn't see any other message. They couldn't see what had already been spoken. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today that His Word is ever so true. He is alive and He is well today to make intercession for you. In other words, He is alive to help you. He is around to strengthen you. He is around to help you. And He is at the right hand of the Father literally praying for you. Do you believe that? He is there praying for you right now. And He is there to strengthen and to help you to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Not a life that's pleasing to you know, everybody around you, but a life that pleases God. He is alive and He is well. I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning.